All right, so if you have a Bible, if you don't mind, turn with me to John chapter number eight. Uh, it's the fourth book in the New Testament, and it's written by a man named John who was one of Jesus' closest disciples, one of his closest friends here on the earth. Um, I love this story of the adulterous woman because I think that we all find ourselves in this story. And I think that there's two roles that we find ourselves in both roles on this story and the implications that it has for us are powerful. And so I want to dive into that today. John chapter 8, starting in verse number 2. It says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Can you imagine the, the shame that she was experiencing? They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands, commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. One of the great mysteries of scripture uh, that I'll be sure to ask about when I make it to heaven. Verse 7, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the, women, with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. So we're in this series called In Search Of, and the premise of this series is that I believe that we all at some level are searching for something, searching for something that'll make us happy, searching for something that will bring us peace, searching for something that will bring joy or satisfaction or fulfillment to our lives, that would bring purpose to who we are, searching for someone or something outside of ourselves that can fill a void that we find in ourselves. And so this process of searching uh, can be frustrating and we can uh, turn to things that uh, aren't in our best interest in search of many things. Um, my wife recently uh, was searching for a dress. Uh, she has been uh, invited uh, thankfully, to serve as a bridesmaid in her sister's wedding. And so I was glad that she got that call, first of all, um, that there wouldn't be the family friction of her not being in her sister's wedding. But anyway, uh, so we have a semi-functional family, and that's good. And uh, she had to find a dress, and we're on a strict budget now. And so uh, she just knew that if she was going to look for a dress, then she and I were just going to butt heads, and we were going to fight about what she was doing. And so uh, she halfway told me that she was going to look for a dress, and she tells me that she was praying that she would just somehow find the right dress for the right price. And uh, so she looked uh, after her sister's shower. She, she went looking with her mom, and I think her sister went with them, and they were trying to find a particular color and a particular style and all that kind of good stuff that goes with weddings. And, um, and she found a dress that is absolutely gorgeous for 20 bucks. And um, I, was, I was happy about that. And her mom actually had a gift card to the store for three bucks, so she only had to pay 17 bucks plus tax. And so I was really, really excited about that. Uh, I was like, see, you can do this. There, you can do this. Um, but I feel like sometimes in life, we're looking for something that we don't think is out there. 
right? Like, how can I find a dress to be in a wedding for, like, really cheap? I mean, that's impossible. You know, just letting you know, it's probably going to be at least $75, but most of them around 100 and I'm like, well, we're going to have to keep looking. And um, so we kind of had a, a small dialogue, and then she, um, she just made it happen, and uh, she's like, I just, I still can't believe that I found this dress, and uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. And um, I think that that's how we approach life sometimes, Right? There's something out there that's unattainable that we don't have qualifications or talents or abilities to attain, uh, yet we seek something that seems impossible and we settle for things uh, that we hope will move us in that direction but end up causing us pain. And here in this story in John 8, we find a woman uh, that I think obviously is searching for something in life. Uh, and the avenue by which she's searching for fulfillment for her own life is uh, in the arms of another man. Now, we don't know if this woman was married and sleeping with someone that wasn't her husband or if she was sleeping with a man who was married to another woman. We don't know the exact context of the story. But we do know that this woman was seeking fulfillment in the arms of a man that was not her husband. And this was a big deal in this day. I, I still think it's a big deal in our day. Uh, but in this day, uh, this was... This was so serious that if you were caught in the act of adultery, you, know, you would be stoned to death. Uh, doesn't, not this kind of stone, like they would throw rocks at you. Um, and it would, it would kill you. Um, so she got caught. I mean, she, she busted. Um, I find it interesting that there's no record of the man that she slept with. Um, that the man wasn't brought with the woman before Jesus to be accused and embarrassed uh, really as a means to, to trap Jesus in this context and, and try to figure out uh, some of the things that he stood for. But this woman is, she's guilty. And, and let me kind of give you some lenses that I've looked through in this story for my own life. Um, in, in my mind, I say, well, this woman is obviously guilty. She's guilty of the seventh commandment, one of the ten commandments. I mean, the ten things that written in stone that Moses received on Mount Sinai, that he was given the ten commandments by God, written in stone. I mean, everyone knew these ten commandments. These were serious. Like, if you were going to mess up, like, you should kind of do something out on the outskirts that weren't, like, clearly defined. But this was clearly defined that you should not sleep with someone that wasn't your spouse. And she did. And not only did she, but she was caught. She was caught red-handed. She couldn't deny it. She couldn't make up an excuse. Uh, I don't know the situation surrounding it. I don't know if perhaps the man that she was sleeping with was a Pharisee, and that's how they found out, and that's why he wasn't on trial. I don't, I don't know the situation, circumstances that surrounded this story, but this woman was guilty. And the lens that I used to look through was, you know, I'm not as bad as some people who do some things that are really wrong, Right? Have you ever thought that about yourself? Like you, you think to yourself, I do some bad things, but they do some bad things, and so I'm okay. And so I looked at this story just in passing and said, you know, that, she got busted. You know, that, that was a big deal. I mean, she was an adulteress. Like she was sleeping with someone that wasn't her husband, and that was clearly a big deal in that day. And, um, you know, that's her. But then several years uh, into my teenage years, I came across the scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. Let me read that for you. It says, but I tell you um, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is Jesus speaking. And, and what's, what's he doing here? He's raising standards for us not to be able to say we aren't as bad as someone. 
okay? Because whether you've slept with someone that's not your spouse or not, if you've even thought about it, if you've even looked at a woman lustfully, if you've even looked at a man lustfully, Jesus says you're guilty of adultery in your heart already, okay? So, so the sin that we're talking about here isn't just defined by a physical act, it's defined by a motive of the heart, which puts us all on the same page with this woman, okay? So let's just all admit, let's just all get on the same page and just say, that we're not perfect people, and that at some level, if anyone could look into our thought life, even if it's just our thought life, that we're guilty of sin. And that we could be this woman, thrown at the feet of Jesus, in the midst of a group of religious people, accused of sinful acts, guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt that we can't make excuses, that we can't justify, that we can't come up with some type of cover story, we're guilty. In fact, Paul puts, us like, puts it like this in Romans 3.23. He says, we're all, we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. And we fall short of the glory of God. Okay, so in this story, let's not look at it as this is just a woman who was caught sleeping with another man and she was brought to Jesus. But let's just put it as we're guilty. And we're now at the feet of Jesus accused of something, rightfully so, that is deserving of death. And when we look at the story that way, it becomes a little more real to us because we all understand and realize that we, just as easily as that woman in the story that day, could be thrown at Jesus' feet at any moment in our lives, guilty of sin that's deserving of death. The law was a very serious thing, and it was so serious, it was based on these Ten Commandments that the religious leaders over the years began to add laws upon laws to try to distance themselves from breaking these laws. And so there was actually like 613 laws that they tried to live by, which is just insane, because they thought somehow in their mind that if they could be good enough and avoid enough bad, that they would find fulfillment through the law, and Jesus, God, would be pleased with them. Uh, but the truth is, is that we can, never, we can never measure up to what God has for us in our lives. And so this woman is thrown before Jesus, accused of adultery, and Jesus is teaching the crowds when this happens, and so they interrupt his teaching time. And one of the Pharisees, one of the religious leaders of the day, speaks up and says, hey, Jesus, this woman, yeah, this one's standing right in front of you. She was caught in the act of adultery. There's witnesses. She can't deny it. It's true. Now Moses in the law, he commanded us. It wasn't an option. It was an instruction. If this happens, then you are to take rocks and you're to stone this woman. And she's to be put to death. That's how serious of an offense this was. And then they look at Jesus and they say, so that's what Moses said, but what do you say? What should we do here? And I can just see these men, these religious leaders, these self-righteous leaders of the day with stones in their hands, just like, you just say the word and we're ready just to end it. We're ready to bring justice to the situation. We're ready to punish her for her deed. Can you imagine the terror in her eyes, the fright that just overwhelmed her in that moment? I can just imagine her laying on the ground, knowing that she's guilty, 
No, no telling how long this affair had been going on and she'd gotten away with it thinking that she would receive something from it. But now she realizes that what she was seeking is going to lead to death and it wasn't what it was cracked up to be and she didn't find the fulfillment in it that she wanted. And she just realizes laying there in the dirt that day that, that she had just blown it and she had been misled and she had bought into a lie that she could find fulfillment in a relationship. She just knew it was over, and I could just imagine her cringing, just knowing at any moment a rock's going to fly and hit her in the head, fearing for her life. Jesus bends down to the ground, and he just begins to write on the ground. And I can just, I can see Jesus just calmly, in the light of the tension of the moment, when everyone's like, what is about to happen? And Jesus, he's not caught off guard. He doesn't go into panic mode. He doesn't try to figure things out. He just bends down and he begins to write on the ground. And people speculate about what he wrote about. And people, you know, try to say, well, he was writing sins of the men who were holding stones and he was writing this. Um, I kind of feel like what he wrote wasn't the point of the story because it wasn't recorded. And so I kind of just see Jesus just kind of taking his time, you know, just doodling, just whatever he's writing. I'm curious to know what it is, but it doesn't really matter. It's just a statement that Jesus isn't caught off guard and he's not panicking and he's not worried about this situation. And it's like these men are like, are you ignoring us? Is this not a big deal? I mean, we're talking about the law here. And Jesus straightens up and says, I'll tell you what. You're right. Moses' law, it does say, if you're caught in the act of adultery, that you should be put to death. So here's, here's what we can do. The one of you that has no sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone, and you get this party started. And then he's just, he's right back down on the ground, writing in the sand, as if it's not a big deal, and he's not worried about the situation. He's not caught off guard. And this woman hears this and she's like, these are really righteous people. These are the leaders of the Jewish faith. These people know the law inside and out. These are really upstanding people. And I think that even in that moment, she probably thought a rock's going to hit me at any time. I could just see her cringing on the ground like, I know I'm guilty and this is about to happen. And then she begins to hear rocks hit the ground. I think it's interesting that scripture tells us that the older men drop their rocks first all the way down to the younger men. I think the older men obviously have more sins in their life than the younger men because they've lived longer. And so we see these rocks dropping to the ground and all of a sudden it's just this woman with Jesus. I can see him approaching her and just saying, excuse me, ma'am, where are your accusers? And she looks up, still fearful for her life, and realizes that there's no one surrounding her any longer. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. Now this, this story has, has caused lots of debate about the role of the law in your life and my life. For, for us living in 2014, 
What does this mean for us? Does this mean that the Ten Commandments are no longer relevant to us, that we don't have to listen to what the Bible says in the Old Testament anymore? Does this mean that the law um, is no longer relevant to our lives, that we don't have to live according to the law anymore? And this is, this is the truth that I want us to understand today. First of all, I want us to understand the heart of why the law was given in the first place. I think it's summed up best in, um, in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, where it says, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in, in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of sin. The law was given... So that we would be aware of sin. So that we would know when we're missing the mark and pleasing God. And because the law was given to make us aware of sin, we had this deep desire to obey the law so that there would be no sin in our lives. And over the years, it was taken to an extreme that the law was the way we became righteous by obeying the law. And Jesus, in this moment says that we aren't made righteous through observing the law any longer, but we're made righteous through him. And notice, the law says don't commit adultery, and he doesn't say it's okay to commit adultery. No one's accusing you. Go back and find your man and keep this thing going. What does he say? What the law said is still a good way to live your life. Now go and do what it says. But I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. And I'm going to let you off the hook for something that should be deserving of death by you. This is, this is a monumental event in the life of this woman. And what I love about the story is that this woman found the fulfillment she was looking for when she was found by Christ in the moment. So we all... I think we have this this thought and this approach that if we're going to be godly people, if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be people who please God, then we have to kind of figure out things for ourselves and get our lives together. And we've got to find a church and start attending church. And then we've got to read our Bibles so many hours a day and pray so many hours a day. We've got to do enough good deeds for people. And once we get everything squared away in our lives, then we'll be on track to making God happy. And we live this myth that's based on a law Uh, that doesn't bring righteousness to us, that causes us to want to be a certain person before we have a relationship with God. And this woman clearly illustrates to us that sometimes you find what you're looking for when you don't really know what you're looking for. And she thought that this relationship would bring some sort of happiness or joy or she wouldn't be involved in it, but she would have never imagined that she would have been sitting at the feet of the Son of God that day. When she decided to go to this man's house or he decided to come to her house or wherever they were doing what they were doing that was unpleasing to God, she never in a million years thought, you know, today's the day that I'm going to find Jesus. Today's the day that I'm going to to kind of get my life straight and I'm going to figure things out and I'm going to find the fulfillment that I'm looking for. She thought that what she was looking for fulfillment in would bring her fulfillment, but she realized in a hurry that that was the very thing that would not bring fulfillment into her life. And so now she's laying at the feet of Jesus. And in this moment, she understands. This is what I've been looking for all along. I've been looking for an encounter with this man named Jesus who changes everything in my life. And when who I am and what I've done 
is deserving of death, he brings fulfillment to my heart. Now this is, this is important because of a statement that Jesus makes over in Matthew that I want to talk about in just a second. But uh, the law that people thought would bring fulfillment to them, these ten commandments, let's look at them for just a minute. The first five were basically vertical commandments. They were talking about our relationship with God. You should have no other gods before me. I should not make any idols. Uh, the fifth commandment, most people, because it says honor your father and mother, tend to think that it's a horizontal relationship. But in that age, the way that they proved their relationship to God was actually through the relationship with their parents. And so in their context, the first five of these would have been talking about vertical relationships. We all have to have a vertical relationship with Christ. The second five of the Ten Commandments would have been horizontal. Our relationships with others, we don't commit adultery, we don't lie, we don't steal. It talks about how we don't hurt people. And Jesus becomes in himself everything that the law intended for us by himself. Listen to this statement that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter number five, verse number 28. Excuse me, Matthew five seventeen where it says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Okay, so what once was thought to be um, righteous through the law, Jesus says, I haven't come to do away with the law. I haven't come to abolish the law. I haven't come to say that the law isn't necessary anymore. But what I've said is I've come to fulfill the law. So when you're trying to have a great relationship vertically and horizontally with other people by obeying these laws, you just need to understand that all of that can be found in me, in Jesus, that I am the fulfillment of the law. And so Jesus in himself doesn't say the law isn't good. He just says, what you need to find is found in me, and I'll fulfill all of that law to you because the point of the law was to prove to you that you're sinful. There's no way that you can obey all of these laws for your entire life and never break a law. And you're going to break a law. We've all broken laws, we've all sinned. But Jesus says that in me, you can be made righteous in spite of who you are and what you've done. And I can do for you what you can never find in anything else in this life. And so I love that Jesus has this encounter with this woman, this unlikely encounter. And I got to thinking about all of us who have individual stories, who are born to different families in different circumstances in different places of life, and some of us grew up with lots of money and some of us grew up with very little money and some of us grew up with parents who loved us dearly and treated us great and some of us grew up with parents who weren't even present in our lives at all and some of us have been abused in life and some of us have been just loved on for our entire life and we all bring different things to the table. And because of the different things we bring to the table, we did... We decide to have excuses for certain things in life, and this is the reason that I do certain things that I do because of my past or because this has happened to me or because I've never had that privilege or that was never provided for me. And so the filter through which we live our life sometimes is based on our environment that we're in. And sometimes that environment doesn't lend itself for us to feel like perfect people. Can we just be honest? We just don't feel like perfect people. And the reason we don't feel like perfect people is because we're not perfect people and we don't live in a perfect world and we haven't had perfect parents and we haven't done perfect things our entire life. 
And so based on who we are, we begin to search for things that will bring fulfillment to us, that will correct the imperfections in our life, that will make our life feel like it matters, like it's important. And some people turn to relationships like this woman, thinking they'll find fulfillment there. And some people turn to substances, and some people turn to greed and material things, and some people turn to deceit and lying, and some people turn uh, to anger and bitterness, and some people turn to unforgiveness. And there's all kinds of things that we turn to thinking that we'll find fulfillment in these different areas of our lives. But at the end of the day, we're all submitted to the feet of Jesus, guilty. In fact, Scripture tells us that when we die, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There's going to be a day that we're going to kneel before Jesus. We'll be at his feet. Like it or not, believe in him or not, you'll be at Jesus' feet. And the truth is, is you're going to be guilty and deserving of death, every last one of us. And we may feel like we're not as guilty as some other people, but we're all guilty. Sin, sin, and no sin is greater than the other. And when we're there at the feet of Jesus, like this woman, guilty and deserving of death, in that moment, everything that we've done to get ourselves there, we realize that it lacks fulfillment. It lacks fulfillment. But Jesus says, I haven't come to abolish the law, I've come to fulfill the law. And that word fulfill in the original language has uh, an interpretation, a word called replete that could be used to describe it. And that word replete talks about just being packed and crammed full, like it can't contain anything more, like it is completely stuffed. It's, it's almost like you were taking a container and filling it with an item, and you're putting in so much that you're having to cram it shut, like you've packed to go on vacation and you took more than you would fit in your suitcase, and you're sitting on your suitcase just trying to zip it, or you're bouncing up and down on it trying to get it in. And this word fulfill, this word replete, means that Jesus can can do for us overwhelmingly, abundantly above anything that we could ever think or imagine in this life. He can bring such fulfillment to our lives. And so the story tells us in a nutshell that everything that we're looking for in life is Jesus. Whether it's a relationship or whether it's an addiction, whether it's popularity or fame, that we seek things outside of Jesus that can never bring the fulfillment that he can bring in our lives. And so my encouragement to us all today is to remember and to be reminded continually that the things we think will bring fulfillment in this life are lacking. That they won't do for us the things that we think they'll do for us if it's not centered around Christ. And students, let me speak to you specifically. You've got your whole lives ahead of you. And if you can grasp this now, it will save you so much heartache over the course of your life. You can talk to all of us who are just a little older than you and we'll say, we all wish that we could go back and make some different decisions. Some decisions that would have been more focused on Christ because we realize now, looking back, that the things that we chased after didn't bring the fulfillment that Jesus could bring in our lives and so if you can grasp this now and you can live your life fully abandoned to Christ, surrendered to him, knowing that he'll bring you all the fulfillment that you can think you can find in relationships and substances and experiences, then you can live a life that you'll look back on and say, I'm so glad that I grasped that because I've had an entire life fully fulfilled in him. 
But so many of us, we look back and we find those areas that didn't bring fulfillment to us and we allow them to imprison us. It's almost like we get up from this encounter with Jesus and we go back to our worlds and we just lock ourselves in the door and we say, people know that I'm guilty, they know what happened and I can't go out anymore. When Jesus intended for this woman to find fulfillment that she would have never found in the arms of that man that day. I just came to tell you today what you're looking for and what your heart is searching for and that void in your soul that you think will bring you fulfillment, that you've tried different things to fill it with. It's a God-sized hole. It's a God-sized void. And only God will fill it. And if you'll allow Jesus to fulfill every desire in your heart, And you'll live a life full of abundance, full of blessing, lacking of a lot of the frustrations and pains that you're staring at right now, that the decisions that you're contemplating, that the experiences that you're embracing, that the ideas that are shaping your thoughts right now, they're not going to lead to fulfillment. And they're not going to bring you the joy and the peace and the happiness that you think they will. But Jesus can And the good news, the great news is it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. That fulfillment is available to you. I love that the stone, that the law was written on stone tablets. And because of the law written on stone tablets, men were holding stones that day ready to throw at this woman. But Jesus didn't write in stone. He wrote on the ground where a woman was laying. And it was a ground that after he wrote, could be wiped over, that wasn't permanent, that as people walked over what he was writing that day, it would have disappeared. And the truth for you is, is you don't have stones staring at you, but you have dirt that's been written for you today. And it can all be wiped away by the grace and the mercy of an incredible Jesus that will bring such fulfillment to your heart that you won't be able to contain it that you can't hold it all in, that you'll just be bursting at the seams with the joy and the contentment and the fulfillment that's found in Christ. What you're looking for is Jesus, and he is ready and willing to bring that fulfillment to you, even now in this moment. That woman would have never imagined being at her feet that day, and maybe you're here today, and maybe you didn't imagine that you would be at the feet of Jesus well aware of who you are and what you've done and the lack of fulfillment in your life. But today, I just want you to know, it may feel like an unlikely experience for you to be here, hearing this message. Maybe you feel like I'm speaking directly to you. The truth is, is Jesus has found you. It's no accident that you're here. In the course of your everyday life, Jesus, he pursues you. He chases hard after you. He longs for a relationship with you. And he comes to you. He doesn't expect you to come to him. And so right where you are today, I'm not talking about sitting in a chair here at the rec department. I'm talking about in life, where you are right now. Would you just allow Jesus to bring fulfillment to your heart? And the best way we do that is just by allowing an encounter with him to shape our lives.
and owning the fact that he doesn't hold against us who we are or what we've done, but he longs to bring a fulfillment to our hearts. It's not based on laws and rules and doing right and doing wrong, but it's based on his unconditional love for you. And he offers it to us all. Will you bow your head with me, please? Lord, thank you for who you are and what you've done. Thank you for the story of this woman and the fact that you fulfilled the law in her heart and she was searching for something that she thought she could find in a man. But that day, she realized that being found by you brought the greatest fulfillment that she could ever imagine. Lord, I believe today there could be men or women or students here who are in search. They're in search of something and they don't even know what they're looking for, but they're just crying out on the inside, trying to find something to fill a void in their heart. Sometimes that void drives us to do things that we regret later in life and it brings more pain than we could ever imagine. And I'm asking you, Father, in this moment just to intersect their lives and their hearts and help them to understand that what they're looking for is you. And as they understand that this morning, Lord Jesus, would you just bring a fulfillment that they'll never be able to contain, just a replete blessing in their hearts.